Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for staying with us while we had to deal with technical difficulties. Yes, you are listening to Loretta McNary Live, and yes, I'm Loretta, and I'm live now. <laughs> I tell you, technology is so awesome when it works. It's when it doesn't work that it's just, you know, I can't even say what I was thinking about technology. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to have a great show. My guest will be calling in. I'm sure he called in earlier. I just could not it on the board, so um, I hope you guys know that um, today is going to be a great show. Anytime I have this much difficulty, the show is always on fire, seriously on fire, and so I'm working from a different computer, so now I have to bring up information about my guest so I can do a decent job on telling you guys who he is, and he is on the phone now, so we'll just go straight to our interview because of the problems we were having. Good morning, Mr. Marshall C. Bell. How are you? I'm, I'm doing outstanding, Loretta. How are you doing today? You know what? I'm inspired. That's my new word now. I'm so That's inspired. Awesome. That's <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Glad we got everything worked out and we are on. You know, my apologies, my <laughs> deepest apologies. So, That's uh, fine. That's fine. 
you should see me. I feel like I'm really in the studio because I have, like, two laptops. I was getting ready to pull my desktop out, and I never work on that thing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> the show That's has cool. to go on. <laughs> the show has to go on. Well, good morning to you, Loretta. Thank you for inviting me onto your show, and I really look forward to talking to you and your listeners. Yes, and we're excited about talking to you as well. I've got a couple of Facebook questions. I also have um, some Twitter things going on. So hopefully we can get to all of that. But I just want to say welcome to Loretta Terry Live. And we're just going to go straight to my questions. And very good, I hate very that good. interview because I love conversations. So it's just a conversation. And I want to tell everybody that the name of your latest book, and I've been reading it, and I'm telling you, it is so so good. It's like one of those books where you can sit and finish it in a few hours. Yeah, you know what? It's I funny. Hate- I've had people who said that they finished finished it in a couple of days, and that's cool with me. You know, as long as you're getting something out of it, and you're enjoying <laughs> it. They say it's they call it a page turner, and that's and that's awesome. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. And the name of it, and I had it on Facebook while we were promoting it, but it's called Baltimore Blues. Harm City, and it's a novel by our um, guest today, Marshall C. Bell. This is the second book that he's written. The first one was also Amazing uh, Page Turner, and we'll talk about that one, too. Called It's called The Darkest Secret. Mm-hmm. So you are an author. You're also a radio talk show host. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been in the political arena as a campaign strategist, very well known throughout the state of Maryland for that. So can you tell me how you went from <laughs> How does a campaign strategist go to writing novels? Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey. Um, well, let me just give you a little background. I, you know, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, originally. Um, I went to school at Howard University in Washington D.C. Uh, my family has been active in politics for many years. In fact, my brother uh, was the former city council president here in Baltimore City. So my uh, meeting was marking. So it's kind of a combination of things. I was in the politics for many, many years. I'm a pretty good writer. I, I did some editing work for a number of uh, writers over the years. And when I uh, came to, uh, I guess around 2004, 2005, I just felt inspired, really, to start writing. And so I had a story inside of me um, that had been dying to come out. And that was the darkest secret, and that kind of combined a lot of my experiences in politics and my of my own philosophy and you know thoughts in the world, and so it kind of co- combined everything together, and that was the inspiration to to write my first novel, um, uh, the darkest secret. But really, I guess it's all about trying to express oneself and, and share a vision, share, share a story, and maybe even uh, teach some folks some things. You know, share some lessons with some folks, and that's what all my books try to do. Absolutely. Okay, yay. I always ask this question because, you know, I have um, two nonprofits, one for girls, Pink Eagles, one for guys, boys. I'm called Blue Eagle. So I'm always curious because we always tell them, have a five-year plan, have a 10-year plan, have a long-term plan. So was any of this, uh, when you were a student at Howard University, um, was any of this part of that plan or is it how it evolved? Because my life just evolved. I plan none of this sure. stuff. Right. Well, you know, I think that I think that well, that's a good question. Um, no, it didn't. <laughs> Frankly, it didn't. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know God opens doors for you that you don't even know. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. when one door is shut, uh, other doors are open. I think that, and that's a good point. I think that it's important, and I tell uh, kids all the time, it's important to have goals. It's important to plan uh, because you know dreams are fine, but goals is where it's at. You know. And that a goal without a plan is just a dream, and, and you know you gotta uh, always plan ahead. But of course, you should also have the flexibility 
to kind of go with the flow. You know, when things change uh-huh. and opportunities arise, you're going to jump on it. So even with the uh, the novel, I didn't really know it was going to be received so well, uh, and that's been a blessing. Even doing the radio show, my own radio show, I've been doing it now for about two years, that kind of like dropped in my lap. And I've just ran with it, and I really um, – I really put all my energy into all these things, and they just been God's been blessing me, you know. So no, to answer your question, I had no plan of being a an author <laughs> or a radio talk show host even five years ago. But when God opened that door, I walked right through it, and I've been uh, going hard ever since. So to speak. I love it because I, I mean, your story is like my story. So before we start talking about the book, because I want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the book, Baltimore Blues, Harm City because I love some of the things that you talk about, especially since I have a mentoring program for boys, and I think that if all of us really got involved with our boys, our young men, that we can really change the trajectory of I mean, of this world, not just of their lives, but because of the domino effects of their lives being changed in a positive mm-hmm. way, the whole world will experience that goodness. So I want to talk about, um, first, the Midday Magazine with Marsha Bell, your radio show. Can you okay. talk about that? Sure. Um, well, I, I started this incarnation. I, I had originally had a, a co-host um, a little over a year ago, and but then we ended up changing. We went in different kind of directions, and I ended up getting my own show on WOLB AM, which also streams live at uh, Um It's a political – well, I put it like this. It's a talk show, and we talk a little bit about everything, and I always say from uh, uh, celebrities and entertainment – the current events, politics, and everything. We talk about everything. I have a very intelligent listenership, and my ratings have been really through the roof. I, my whole uh, angle is I just try, try to come very real with folks. I, I don't try to claim any particular political persuasion. I'm a pragmatist, I'm a realist, and I'm a straight shooter. And I think that my listeners really, really enjoy how I, you know, how I approach different topics that are out here. It could be commentary on. Like I said, anything it could be entertainment issues, but I always try to relate what's going on in the entertainment or in the current events world to just you and I. You know, for example, mm-hmm. if, if two celebrities are going through a divorce, now I could talk about that on that kind of surface level, or we could talk about divorce in our community. Uh, we could be talking about obesity. Uh, some, you know, somebody could talk about a celebrity who's obese. That to me is very shallow. Let's talk about obesity in our community or child support. Or or male female relationships, or it could be politics. But we try to cover everything, and we re- it's very color driven, and we have a really good time. Absolutely, great show. I love my show. It's a great opportunity to talk to people. You know, yeah. I really do. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and see, again, we have something else in common. I like to use my show that way, too. I do all the celebrity interviews, the red carpets, you know, from all the major uh, red carpets, but it all gives me an opportunity to have something of value to our youth who get caught up in the hype of, you know, celebrities and this high-profile media. So I can use that as my, you know, pivotal point to go in there and get their attention and then share, like you said, we need to talk about obesity because we as a community of African Americans, we are in huge trouble when it comes to that. And yes, the fact we well, is yeah. we don't really know what obesity is. We think obesity is, you know, somebody that's weighing four or 500 pounds. No, my darling, no, quite no, wrong. No. Exactly. <laughs> if exactly. anybody is over like 25 pounds of what you should be weighing, then they consider you to be obese. So right. we have to educate. Right. And then the right. other thing is when you say child support and lack of 
you know, family structure, you can use, like, the Kim Kardashian stories to kind of get their attention and bring it on down, dial it down to our level. So I love that, and I will be tuning in to check out your radio show. And let's see something else that you do. You are a man of many, many hats, and I truly, truly am impressed. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? I mean, I I try to stay busy, you know. And like I said, opportunities have opened themselves up, and I – uh, you know, I mean, even with the public speaking and talking to kids, that really actually was kind of a, a kind of piggyback, really off of the novel. Just getting into the book, Baltimore Blues, Harm City. Uh, the, the book really surrounds a, a young man who's growing up in a tough community in where I'm from, which is West Baltimore, and uh, he is really tempted by the streets. The streets are trying to pull him into that world, but he has a desire, Loretta, to do something different, to be better. But he needs some help getting there. And fortunately, through some older guys, like my generation and older, he meets at the barbershop. They show him a different path, a different way. And that really, like I said, I, I'm now doing a lot of motivational speaking with, with kids. Um, and he's a high school, by the way. The, the main character, his name is uh, Cameron. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to a lot of young men and women. But like you said, the focus is really strongly on, on our young men and letting them know that you can do better, you can be better, and I'm here to help you get there. But you gotta put some hard work in, and you gotta develop a plan. That's really what we're trying to do. So, like I said, that the, the uh, motivational speaking has piggybacked off the the book. And you know, if people ask me to come and talk, I can't turn them down. You know, and I feel like it's a mission of mine to really help people. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I, I yeah, especially when they want to come talk to our years. And they said, well, we don't have much money. I said, you know what, I'd rather come talk to them than you worry about trying to pay me what, you know, I normally get because it's so important that my message gets out there. Right. I believe that it makes a difference. It may not turn them around, like, at that moment. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be months down the road. But eventually that light will come on and they will remember those positive conversations and those true stories that sure. was shared with them about somebody like you, Marshall, who, you know, you've got to tell them the real deal. Your ups mm-hmm. and your downs, your bad decisions as well as your good decisions so they can right. relate to it. Right. So it, that, it and, I, and I try, like, you're right. I, and I try to be very real with them. And I never try to paint the picture that, uh, not only will they not make mistakes, but that I have not made mistakes. We've all made mistakes, you know. And, you know. Yes. But, but the, the, the important thing, like I always say, it's not the mistakes. It's how you respond to the mistake. You know, are you going to mm-hmm. stay down or are you going to get back up and keep fighting? Um, and I, I always tell them it's all about making wise choices. I have two sons myself, all right, one's 17 and one's 18. So I got, you know, my boys in that age group as well. And I always, yeah. the lessons that I talk to them about, I also share with the, the young men and women that I talk to around around the city. Um, just making wise choices and being smart. But like you said, once they know better, once they've heard it, it may not click immediately. But we're, we're hoping that it will somewhere along the line. That, you know, it'll it'll soak in, and they'll, they'll at least they know they have a new they know better. Even if they don't use that knowledge, at least they do know, and hopefully they can access that that information later on. Absolutely. Right. And, and I'm a witness. I have seen it happen countless times. So that's what gets me up in the morning knowing that, you know, I get another chance to, to reach out to somebody else or to reach out to those I've been trying to reach for a long time and to encourage other people to do the same. There is a sentence in your um, bio that your publicist, thank you so much, Miss Angela Bird. You are Absolutely. incredible. You are so incredible. 
for reaching out to us. And it says the daunting novel explores the choices that many of our children are forced to make in a world with competing dualities, one based on street credibility and reputation, Mm-hmm. Which we tend to forget that part of it as parents and as adults. We for, we forget that huge right. strong force that you just talked about, and then the other steeped in a proud African American history of integrity, pride, and honor. Right. So they have to right. make this choice every day. So sometimes right. I think, like your your characters, Cameron and Chance and Antonio. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how in the world did they even think of anything else to do other than? The, the credibility and their reputation on the street when they knew that was survival. Well, you know what? i tell you what. That's very true. And that's the thing. we got to present them with the option at least, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like I always say, there's a difference between being ignorant and acting ignorant. Now, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, a child who has his pants hanging around off his butt, you know what I'm talking about. I know you all got the same problem mm-hmm. <laughs> as we do. In Baltimore, worldwide. You know, they're looking yeah. ignorant. But guess what? They know better. Okay, but they choose to do different, so they're acting ignorant. Now, as far as um, not knowing how to apply to college, okay, or knowing how to get into a trade school, they may be legitimately ignorant. As far and I, and I know that's a very harsh word, but it's not meant. We all ignorant in some way, but I don't mean to really sound uh, harsh with the word. But in other words, they don't have any knowledge of. Our job is to show them a different way, a different path. And then they can have an option, you know, because like, you're absolutely right. Most of our young people, they are legitimately ignorant. All they all they know is what they know. All they know is mm-hmm. what they know. In many respects, um, some things, like I said, they do know better, but in many respects, all they know is what they know. Um, they need to know about our proud tradition as, as a people and as a community. We need to show them that they can be uh, better. We need to show them examples of people that have been where they are who are now succeeding. We need to show them a larger vision that it's not just about, you know, for a lot of folks in certain economic situations, conditions, their idea of success is just being able to make it. And we need to show them, that, no, you can, be a, you, can be a, you can do a lot more than that. That's why it's important to take our youngsters on trips. We need to show, like, for, you know, I'm in Baltimore. We need to show them D.C. and New York. We need to take them to the take them to the beach. You know, a lot of kids are stuck mm-hmm. in their own neighborhood. They literally don't leave West Baltimore ever. But once yeah. you see different, once you see bigger, bigger world, you want to have a piece. You want to see that. You want to have that reality. And that's our job is, is to show these youngsters that there is a bigger world out there, and you can be what you want to be. But you gotta you gotta work hard for it now. You know, and I yeah, really believe that once you show kids hard. something else, they'll never be satisfied with just getting by. Yeah, but what you said was so profound about, you know, kids know not to wear their pants down. What, and, and I found this, what you said, to be so true. And we should not judge them by that one thing because right. it, yeah, they hurt the, you know, what it means if you got your pants down. And they know it came from the prison um, mm-hmm. survival thing or you are available or whatever. But what these yeah. kids are doing, most of them, I would say about 85, 90% of them that sag their pants, it's mm-hmm. a survival technique, everybody. It's a well, it's survival a technique. You know, we, we know where it came from. 
But it doesn't, yeah. that doesn't have any it's, it's more. I think it's more yeah. than just style. Yeah. They're trying not to get picked on. They're trying to be cool. They understand that the guys who sag their pants are like That's the cool. toughest, roughest guys, and people don't pick right. on them. Yeah, right. the adults criticize them and put them down, but a, a kid who comes from a great background who wants more, he understands if mm-hmm. I'm in a tough neighborhood, if I'm in a tough school, then I need to at least look like I'm tough yeah, just to yeah. survive, sure. just to survive. Sure. Right, right. At the same time, he's still, you know trying to get a scholarship to Howard University. So right. that's how right. they survive, everybody. I just want you, you know, people to have a little um, compassion and passion, and and give them some grace. You know, talk right. to them. It, it's right. it's more than what we think it is, and that just comes from me from hanging out with them. I see these right. kids. I mean, you're sagging, but at the same time, you can you know you can quote Shakespeare, or you know the you know the stats of some amazing community. Um, force like infant mortality or something like that, but you sag your pants. See, that's an oxymoron to people who don't look deeper. Right, but these right. kids are smart. They're very smart. Okay, so th- that's my soapbox for that because <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, gotcha, I, gotcha. I just want people to understand them, and it takes uh, listening yeah, I, to I them. I hear you, but I mean, I'll be honest with you, Loretta. I just I understand that that they, it's it's a it's a survival mechanism. I understand it in a certain sense. But I do believe that we should expect better of our children, and they and they yeah. know better. They know they yeah. know better, and that although that may be the style and for them to to fit in, I I still I don't know. It's a terrible look, and I, I'm sick of seeing it. You know what I mean? I think we, I think we can expect better of our young men. I, you know, and our young women. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest now. Oh yeah, I don't know what it's like down there. Okay. I'm not trying to dismiss what they're doing as inappropriate no. or that is wrong. My right. whole point for saying what I said is so that we are more understanding and that we, as adults, we I've never met one that I've been asked, hey, look, you can't come around me with your pants sagging or you can't curse around me, and that right. they did not do what I asked them to do because mm-hmm. I didn't disrespect them. And respect right. is so huge for them. Very true. <laughs> it is so huge right. for them. And, you're like, and, and, you, and that's important, yeah, how, you, how you approach these young people. And it really is, yeah. you know, and, it, and you got to gain their respect off the bat. It's hard to get it if you lost it off, you know, once you – when I walk into a room, Loretta, and 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 they've never seen Marshall Bell, they know who I am. They could really care less, other than their teacher or their whoever told them this and somebody you need to listen to. I am very um, direct and I'm very strong, and I can tell and get their attention right away. And I think that for like a lot of these young guys, they want to see that. They really want to have an older male figure they can look up to and respect. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's a good thing. And like you said, and once you Get gain a youngster's respect, then they're more apt to listen. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, they'll, they'll tune you tune you out right away. But um, it's it's a great book, Baltimore Blues, Harm City, and it tells their story, and it really does. And uh, I'm really enjoying my experience talking to kids. I really do. It's just, like I said, it's one of my so it's become a, my mission, so to speak. <laughs> so how's the experience when you're going into a, a room of kids and uh, maybe they're from your old neighborhood or maybe they're not? Maybe they just, you know, again, in survival mode or they know somebody who's in survival mode. How, when you go in in a suit and tie or you go in in a, you know, a, a button-down and some slacks or whatever, how do you, how do they relate to you once you tell them that you grew up in that area where you're talking about in your book? How do they relate to that? Your tricked right up. And, <laughs> and, 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 I, and on a full, you know, I mean, I go in there. And I've and I've seen some motivational speakers who take the like the hip hop approach. You know, they'll come in with the baseball cap and try, you know, trying to appeal to the youngsters that they're speaking to. I don't ever do that. 
to me, I, I got a lot more respect for them, and I want them to see themselves in me, mm-hmm. as opposed to just seeing another dude who's just older dressing like them. So, no, I go in there dressed to the nines, you know what I mean? And um, and I think that I can, they can really uh, – when I tell them my story, because like I said, I've had some ups and downs now. After coming out of school, I had two sons. I was about 25, and then I went to a very – Tough, went through a very tough period in my life when I got involved with, honestly, drugs and alcohol, and I was lost, and I was just out there in the streets of West Baltimore doing all the wrong things, you know, with a degree, uh-huh. with a Howard University degree and a great family <laughs> and all this stuff, and I was just out there, you know, it was terrible. But when I tell them that story, and I tell you, I, was, I spoke to some kids about a month ago at this one high school, Reginald Lewis High School, and when I told them that, they were like, you? I'm like, yeah, me. But that's cool because, you know, they can still like, wow, if he did that, he went from where the story, what he's mm-hmm. telling us now to where I've seen in front of my face now, I know I can do it, you know. But you got to be very, I got to be very real with them. And they got to yeah. know that it's a real story. And I tell them all the gory details, you know, of um, being in abandoned buildings and, and doing everything I could to get high and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're sitting there with their eyes open like, wow, this guy right now and this, you know, Thousand hour suit and these shoes and you know and the tie. This the same guy, you know. But it really it hits mm-hmm. them. And I don't know that they can get that. They can get the same the same reality. But they got to work hard for it. They have to work hard for it. Well, we go speak to them. We have to be very transparent. Mm-hmm. And that's right. one thing that I I think, as you said, some speakers, motivation, transformation, or whatever you call it yourself, unless you're transparent, you're just a talking head to them. You have really got to, and all of us, I don't care no. who you are, everybody has, has made some bad decisions. Somebody's, you know, we've made the wrong turns. I mean, sure. for me, I'm like you, but I, I don't do it in a suit and tie. I do it in, you know, six, seven-inch pumps, a dress, skirt, whatever, <laughs> right. you know, to the right. nines, the makeup, the hair. Sometimes I even bring, like, my makeup artist, my security, or my limo or whatever, and I go talk to them. And then I got to tell them this this hard part for me because I was raised with a mom and dad. My dad worked really hard. My mom was a stay-at-home mom when that wasn't even cool for African-Americans to do. And then I've always talked like this. And then I have to tell them my, my Jacob's lip. I am a single mother of five sons. And, no, you know, they haven't seen a single mom of five sons look like me. You know, because right. they, all they see is their mom struggling, and she doesn't have time to, you know, put hair and makeup on because she's working two or three jobs. And then I go and tell them how tough it was, how embarrassed I was, but then my boys are the reason why I'm here today is because they they um, inspired me so, and I want it better for them. I right. don't want them to be to fit in any kind of stereotype. I didn't want them to be just another stat of a single mom, you know. So I had to, I wanted to erase all that and tell them, you too are so much more than what people are saying you are, but you got to believe it. you got to want it. And I'm going to use your book as part of my Blue Eagles curriculum because um, with that, I have guys who volunteer on a weekly basis, positive male role models who come share their stories and teach them how to tie a tie teach them, you know, the fundamentals of basketball or something that, you know, a boy can relate to from a man. So I love the part where you say about the mentors who come and help Cameron's dreams escape the hood. Right. You there? Hello? I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lost you for a minute. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. I probably just paused long enough for to breathe because I get so excited when we're talking about how we as adults can really impact the lives of our children. We can we can change this. Is there was something else I liked that you said, Cameron, about um, 
it's like the first page of your book, To Our Fallen and Forgotten Youth. Yes, your yes. feelings are our feelings. We yes. must do better by you. God demands it. Right. Wow. right. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you know, as much as, like you said, as much as we look down on our, our kids, you know, and, and what they're not doing, ultimately, Loretta, really it falls on us, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, I we can see it's, 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 it's systemic. It has its points to, you know, the politicians and the community leaders and the spiritual leaders and the parents. If they're not succeeding, the children, I mean, if they're not succeeding, you can't blame the children. You have to blame the adults. It's our responsibility ultimately to see them be successful. One thing I say on my show all the time, I say this almost every every week at least, I always encourage my listeners, because I have a, a large male listener uh, listenership, I ask people, I say, look, if you can just donate one hour a week, not a day, just one hour a week, one hour either to a um, uh, uh, any kind of group, organized group, if, even if you can't do that, you can't do a big brother, big sister program, that's fine. Just one hour a week talking to that kid who you see every single day on the corner doing what he's doing, or that kid next door. I'm not talking about your own children. I'm talking about another young mm-hmm. man who's in your in your sphere, in your circle. And your and if you see he sees you just just one hour a week. Can you imagine the, the progress and change we can make as 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 a community? You'll be all committed just to reaching out because you know expression takes a village to raise a child. Well, you know mm-hmm. we're, I know we're in different times now. I understand that. You know parents are very <laughs> protective of. Don't do me telling my kid nothing. I understand that, but still <laughs> a lot of particularly our single mothers um, who are raising these young men by themselves. You know, it's important to have a male figure in there. And and if you're that guy who living across the street from a young man, I'm sure she would love to have you talk to her. So I get called all the time, Loretta, by friends of mine who have sons who need to be talked to, you know, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And that's mm-hmm. cool. I take it on myself. I, I I take that responsibility, and I, I welcome those calls. But, yeah, it's ultimately it's up to us. If they fail, it's because we failed. We, we, you know, we, and we have to do something. Even with the crime situation, I always hate when people want to, want to blame the police and the politicians. That little boy, he got that gun and shot that other little boy down the street. No cop in the world could have stopped that. Okay, yeah. let's just be very real with that. That is a community issue. That is a parental issue. That's the only thing that's going to stop these young kids from killing one another. The police ain't going to do it. And I know that the politicians forget them. It's about us doing this. Mm-hmm. Only people are going to save our community. I don't know what it's like in Texas. I know what it's like here in Baltimore. What's off the chain, you know? Um, only people that are going to stop this craziness is us. Mm-hmm. Adult, responsible men and women showing these young people that there's a different way. we got to get back to our roots, you know. We definitely do. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And one thing, you, you know, a lot of people say that, too, times have changed, people have changed. But one thing that will never, ever change, and that's uh, a child needs boundaries and a child needs to feel yeah. loved and protect it, and mm-hmm. they will go to whatever length to fight to get that, whether right. it's in their homes, outside of their homes, whether it's in a gang, whether it's at church. Sure. But we all were created. There's something within our DNA, every human. And you mm-hmm. know if a puppy needs it, you know a child needs it, they right. need right. to feel loved, protected, and understood. Right. So, And they need boundaries. If you, I mean, children thrive on boundaries. They want to know that if I go too far, then this is my consequence because she loves me, because he loves me, because they right. love me. Right, right, right. And you have to feel so. like you're fully invested in their in their future. And you, like you said, you care mm-hmm. about them. And mm-hmm. like I, I really like I really agree with you. Kids need boundaries. Kids want boundaries. Mm-hmm. They really do. 
But but yeah. if you don't, if you're not strong with them, they will walk all over you. And there's nothing new. I mean, you know, you and I, we did it. <laughs> that's their job. That's their job to test right. the boundaries. To push the limits. To right. get us to be adults and parents. Check it out. Yeah. The consequences of when we were coming up um, of being disrespectful or pushed their boundaries are far different in many ways than the consequences of these young folks. When they get into, as they call, that life, you know, about that life, you know, that life, it could be deadly, okay? The consequences are either, you know, are very ominous. That's why, like I said, children pushing limits. I mean, this is since the beginning of time. That's what kids do, all right? Yeah, that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do. But the consequences now can be far more devastating to themselves and to the community as well. So, Absolutely. Because there are so many hurting children there. Yeah. 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 Like you said, there's a lot at stake. And I I truly believe, even having said all that, knowing how how bad it looks, I I don't look at the situation with these rose-colored glasses, as people say I do. I just believe in God, number one. And I believe that if you love the child and if you gave and if you were consistent, with them, if you did what you said you were going to do, whether it's I'm going to whoop your butt or I'm going to be there to take you to the movies, if you're yeah. consistent with those things, you will gain their uh, respect, you will gain um, their trust, and then they will do everything within their power to please you, just like yes, we will. do with God. We want to please them, so we do those things that are right instead of making those bad decisions or wrong decisions. Children mm-hmm. are the same. They're right. the same, but they got to know you're going to be there. Right, and, and that's what kids want. They want approval. I mean, you'd be surprised, man. Just just taking the time to to talk to a young person on your block, how much changes? Like, you know, children want approval. They want to hear, you know, all right, you're doing a good job, and mm-hmm. they will act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of children, particularly in these tough neighborhoods, don't have anybody around to, and, uh, to let them know that they care about them, that they love them, that that that, that they want to see them, do, that they expect to do, see them do better. They also want expectations. If you expect high things from your child or a child, most times they will try to meet that as best they can, mm-hmm. unless they're really in a rebellious spirit. Now, don't get me wrong now. Let's, let's take off the rose-colored glasses. Not every child can be saved. I mean, I'm going to put it out there at a certain age. Many of the children that I've talked to um, are in that 14, 15, 16, 17 when they get to the a little a little older, I'm not saying they can't be, but it's a tougher task because yeah. for many they've made decisions. Um, they've they've gone down a tough road. You know, I'm not saying they can't turn around. You know, which we all know, God always allows us an opportunity to turn around, but it's a little tougher. And some children have taken a they've taken a, a, a leap, okay, towards the other side, and it's tough to get them back. But I think that for those that we can save, uh, we have to do everything we can. To, uh, to to make the effort to, to, to bring them into the fold and show them a better way. So. Right, and I'm just so glad that we can't or we should not look at a kid and say, that kid will never change. And, you know, you hear the stories of all the successful people who say, you know what, I remember when they said I would never change. I remember mm-hmm. when my mom said I would never be anything. I remember when my dad said, you know, and right. then you hear these guys and these ladies sharing these amazing stories of um, overcoming all that because it was something in them that just kept them getting up every day. I have children in my program and that I met that when I hear their, you know, what they've been through, I'm like, how in the world do these kids get up and face the day? 
You know, how do they do it? And then that's what makes me say, you know what, if they can, I know I can. Even as an adult, their stories inspire me. I've learned from them, Marshall. I've learned so much from these kids that people have written off or put in programs and said, you know, they weren't going to do what they couldn't learn. I'm like, are you serious? I'm just glad we don't get to choose who can and who will and who won't. I'm so glad we don't have that power. Very true, very true. Well, I, I believe in, and that's what I always tell the kids, I say, I believe in you. You know, God believes in you, now you just got to believe in yourself. And, yeah. and the whole world is open for you. So um, I'm going to short a little bit of short time. Yeah, I, yeah, because we only had 30 minutes, and I was just trying to uh, make sure I got everything out there. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, the last question, uh, real quickly, can you tell us uh, what plans are on your horizon? What's next for you? Oh boy, um, what isn't on the plans? I, I just met with a uh, an old school friend of mine with the Howard. He's a uh, Howard was he's an entertainment attorney, and he has agreed to um, help me do a treatment for help me help me push uh, my first novel, The Darkest Secret, which is a political drama, and it's a heck of a book too. Um, and try to see if we can shop it out to L.A. and uh, maybe get it picked up. Yeah, I guess get some because I don't know how to write screen uh, screenplay, but it gets somebody mm-hmm. maybe to you know to do a screenplay for it. Yeah, absolutely. I need to do it with book. both of your books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How can people read you real quickly? That one particularly is very unique. Um, and then I'm working on my third book, and that's called In Black and White. I've done about I'm about a third of the way through. And hopefully we'll okay. get that out by uh, early next year. So we're busy. Okay. Busy. Okay, so they can find you on Facebook. They can find you at your um, website, um, MarshallCBell.com. Facebook.com backslash MarshallCBell or MarshallCBell.com. Baltimore Blues Harm City can also be found on Amazon, and it's also available in Kindle, and the reviews have been outstanding. Baltimore Blues Harm City, Marshall C. Bell. All right, Morgan, thank you so much for your time. Oh, yeah, a few times. A few times. Thank you so much for stopping by to be our guest on Loretta McNary Live, and we wish you nothing but higher success and bigger results with the teams that you are um, called to reach. All right? Great great discussion, Loretta. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And as always, thank you all so much for listening to Loretta McNary Live. I bid you happy dreams, positive thoughts, and make sure you have someone along the way. We'll talk to you tomorrow at the same time, 11 o'clock a.m. Central Standard. Have an amazing day, everybody.